everyone, and welcome to the Tightwad Tech, episode 47, Skype in the Classroom, for May 19, 2011. This week we'll be joined by Jacqueline Botterill, who is the uh, manager of uh, the Skype project called Skype in the Classroom, and she will come here uh, uh, to talk to us a little bit about that. She's been with Skype for uh, more than five years and uh, is in charge of the Skype in the Classroom project, and... Um, she will be here to tell us all about that. I don't know a lot about it. Uh, Sean did the, the research on this one, so uh, I will be informed right along with you. Uh, but before we get that far, I just wanted to let you know that uh, this show is coming out a bit late. We're actually recording it on Thursday morning. Ordinarily, I release it late Wednesday night or early Thursday morning. So if you woke up and looked at your um, portable podcasting device and there was nothing there and began to panic as i know you would the cold sweats and the the fear yeah absolutely um, the world is is collapsing uh it's because we had to uh um um postpone this a couple of times because jacqueline is a very uh busy woman uh particularly um in light of recent <laughs> developments in the, the, the world of Skype. Uh, and so she, uh, has, uh, we were going to do it, uh, Monday and then that didn't happen. And we we're going to do it Tuesday and that didn't happen. And right. We do it Wednesday and that didn't happen. <laughs> and so here it is Thursday morning, uh, 5.30 in the morning, our time, local time. Uh, because again, she is in England. Uh, you may not have known this. Skype is an English company, uh, and, uh, uh, based, uh, right around London, if not in London. Um, so. She is uh, on her lunch break, essentially. It's uh, around uh, noon for her, and it's early for us. So uh, we'll get this recorded. I'll get it edited as quickly as possible and out. And so there you go. Just thought I'd mention that. Yeah, I uh, just to say uh, along with that, it was kind of funny. Something that did happen with that is, uh, you know, I had shared the show notes with her like I like I always do with our guests, and she was having a problem accessing them, and so she's frantically trying to contact me, and uh, uh, so I get here, and uh, of course, Mark, you you notify me of that fact because you had been in contact with her, and uh, sure enough, yeah, I had several contacts from her at like three o'clock in the morning and three thirty <laughs> in the morning. So, uh, yeah, I gotta love these, uh, multi time zone, uh, interviews. Right. She's, she's like, uh, she sent me a message and said, uh, I've been trying to get a hold of Sean and, and can't get in touch with him. And I, I very politely didn't, um, uh, say anything, but I was thinking, no, you're not going to get a hold of him at two o'clock in the morning. You right. Know, <laughs> um, you wouldn't have gotten a hold of me either. Right. Right. <laughs> Um, one of the things that we're always asking uh, people for is um, uh, feedback in the form of voicemails and emails. And this week we have one from uh, one of our regular contributors and uh, uh, longtime listener, Bjorn Berent. He uh, poses a question in the form of a, a Google voice message. So uh, let me play that for you. Hey, guys. Uh, this is BJ from AskBJ.net. Um, quick question for you. Stolen laptop locator. Do you know of the good tightwad version? Thanks. Bye. So uh, Bjorn wants to know if there is a tightwad approved stolen laptop locator. Um, I had heard of a couple of these uh, early on. Uh, there, there are things out there basically LoJack for laptops. Actually, I think that's a brand name for one of them, LoJack for yes. laptops. Uh, there are different software versions. There's uh, one that's a hardware version even that's embedded into the the BIOS on the machine so that you'd actually have to flash the ROM to get rid of it. 
Uh, but most of them are software based. Uh, and there was, uh, one that I knew of from the University of Washington. A couple of, uh, doctoral students were working on that, but it never got out of alpha stage. Um, but one I do know of is called Prey Project. Prey, P-R-E-Y, as in, um, to, to hunt prey. And my hunch is that it's those guys from Washington, University of Washington who graduated and started their own business. Uh, Makes because sense. the, the, the feature sets are very similar. Uh, but the website is preyproject.com. They have clients for, uh, uh, Windows, Linux, and Mac, uh, and in, in Apple iPhones and, um, uh, Android phones. So nice. it's not just, um, uh, PCs, but also uh, mobile computing devices that we call phones. They're actually computers that can make phone calls. Really yeah, what they yeah. Are. Um, and so you put uh, this thing on your uh, um, device, or whatever, and it it checks in periodically, uh, and you can set the heartbeat. Uh, if it's something that uh, isn't critical to you, you might want to have it do it every eight hours. If it's something that uh, is critical to you, you might want to do it every ten minutes. Um, and there are a couple of options. You can set it up. You can actually set it up on your own server. Like if you have a blog, you can create a URL on your blog. That's uh, www.myblog.com slash my laptop has been stolen. And as long and, and when there is nothing there, it doesn't do anything. When you put some post, some content there, it says, oh, there's something there. My laptop's been stolen. It kicks into gear, uh, which is kind of cool. Wow. If you don't want to do that, they have their own dashboard uh, that you can log into. So you create your account, you set all this thing up, you have this unique identifier for each of your devices. Um, and uh, interesting, if, you, if you've got a multi-boot uh, device, if you've got uh, Linux and Windows on multiple platforms, um, they will show up in the system regardless of which OS is booted as the same device. So you don't have to have multiple um, uh, uh, accounts for the same machine. So uh, assuming your laptop gets stolen, you log on to preyproject.com, log in with your things and click the I've been stolen button. And the next time it checks in, say you have it, like I said, checking every eight hours, the next time it checks in, it kicks in and starts checking like every 30 seconds from then on, sends you um, uh, GPS information if it's a device that has it, uh, sends you IP address location if it's just a, a laptop that doesn't have GPS and uh, tells you who's logged on. <coughs> Excuse me. It will do uh, uh, key logging. Uh, it will uh, tell you uh, which uh, uh, what the name of the access point they're connected with. If it's a Mac, it's only on the Mac client. It'll actually activate the camera and take pictures of the people using um, the computer. So, uh, pretty good tool for no cost. So that's PreyProject.com. Uh, I guess now would probably be a good time to jump in and mention that. Uh, uh, be careful in using this technology and who has <laughs> access to use that technology. We know in the course of the last year, uh, one school district right, the, in particular, the lower Marion school district, right, uh, got into quite a bit of trouble with, uh, uh you know, it, it's not so much that you have something like that installed. It's, it's that it can be abused. Right. Uh, and then Aaron's home rentals, uh, just in the past few weeks, I think, uh, is, is becoming subject of a class action lawsuit, uh, regarding, uh, similar, uh, uh, software that they're using. As Stan Lee likes to say, with great power comes great responsibility. So just know if you put this thing on there, um, it could come on your head if somebody misuses it. Uh, so that um, uh, dashboard that I talked about, guard that password well. 
uh, for one, so that nobody else uses it, and then don't be stupid for two. Right, right. <laughs> Say what you really feel. <laughs> just gonna, I, I'm to, the the those folks in the Lower Marion School District were stupid and deserved to be fired. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and in fact, I'm kind of mad that they weren't fired. They should yeah. have been fired. And, you know, I, I was thinking, I mean, that should be the least that they get away with. Right. I mean, you know, uh, when you violate somebody's privacy to that degree, I mean, you need to start being worried about going to jail. If you don't know what we're talking about, Google it. Uh, it was a story. It's a, a few months old, uh, but it sent ripples through the education community as it should. Absolutely. And really, yeah, the entire tech community. I mean, I'm sure there's no shortage of companies uh, out there that uh, have their own uh, computing devices, whatever, that they give out to students or employees or, you know, whatever is the case. But uh, if you're doing that, yeah, you have to really uh, understand what kind of Pandora's box you're right. exposing yourself to. So there you go, Bjorn, way more than you asked for, right. but that's what we try to do on the show. We give more than you ask for. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention uh, that happened either last week or two weeks ago, I don't remember now, uh, was uh, that one of our favorite tools, LastPass, um, had a breach of sorts. Uh, somebody uh, got into their network and downloaded an unspecified amount of information Um and the reason I want to bring this up is not that you should run screaming from LastPass, but actually quite the opposite. They handled it exactly the way a company should. Um, first off, they were they were trolling their own logs. They noticed that something wasn't right. Right. Then the moment they noticed that something was right, they they notified their users and they put it on a blog and said, "Look, here's what we know. Here's what we don't know. Um, we're not sure how much is uh, information has been lost, but." It's safe to assume it all has. So let's just proceed from that assumption. They started making everybody change uh, passwords. And in fact, so many people change passwords so uh, quickly that it crashed their system. So if you use LastPass uh, and it wasn't working uh, recently, you know why. Um, but they handled it so well that I actually paid them for it. I went, I had only been using the free service and I went and paid for the premium, which is only a buck a month, $12 a year uh, service. Not because they were breached, but because they they showed in that breach that they're the kind of company that I want to trust my money with. Well, and not only your money, but that my password, type, yeah, right. that type of data. Um, it, it's kind of scary when you think about. And I know you're probably like me. I mean, you have several hundred passwords right. uh, on there, and uh, it's your entire digital life. And, uh, so you like to, you like to find out that, uh, it's a company like that that's guarding that information. And if you don't know what LastPass is, uh, it's a, a service that, uh, you, you download a little applet on your phone or your computer, um, and it keeps all your information local. It never sends your passwords, uh, unencrypted to anybody. Uh, but, uh, with, uh, due to browser plugins for all the major browsers, uh, I go to a website. Um, uh, and just last week I was, uh, making a purchase for the, for the school and I needed to create an account. I have no idea what my password for that account is. I don't know. I clicked the generate password button and it created a statistically random, uh, set of gibberish, filled it into the box. And I don't even know what it is. But the next time I go to that site, I tell LastPass to re spit up that 
statistically random bit of junk, and it does. And so uh, all your passwords uh, are managed like that. But if you need to know it, you can open up your own vault. You can look at it, and I can click the show me my password button and know what it is. Uh, so um, you can keep uh, secure notes in there, uh, things that aren't necessarily passwords, just text information. You can put that in there. Uh, it's a great little tool. Uh, cost absolutely nothing for their service, but if you want to use the mobile parts of it for your cell phone, your, your iPhone, your, your Android phone, your BlackBerry, um, you have to pay a buck a month for that. So there's an extra, you got two extra uh, tech tips this week. You right. got Prey Project and LastPass. Yeah, I've been uh, using LastPass Premium for, oh, I want to say it's been about nine months now. And uh, perfectly happy with it because, yeah, I like to be able to access it from my phone. So uh, great one. And, you know, to go on to the other side, maybe the, the way that uh, security breaches shouldn't Should be handled. Should never be handled. <laughs> Facebook, uh, and I'm sure uh, we're not breaking any news to any of you out there, but Facebook uh, recently, uh, in the course of the last week, I believe, had a uh, a breach of their own. and it's- Well, let's be more specific about that. They recently announced a breach that has existed since 2007. Right. Yeah. This is really, it's been a problem all along and it's a third party, uh, uh, app. Uh, you know, these third party apps have these authentication tokens, uh, that allow them, uh, a certain level of access to your account. And, uh, basically the breach, uh, makes it, it, it or yeah, I keep calling it a breach, but you know, the problem, uh, the bug is that, uh, third parties are able to like hijack these tokens. Right. They're leaking that token information. So any website you've ever visited uh, can harvest that information, even if it's not Facebook. Right. And then uh, and then the scary thing, obviously, is then these people can have access uh, to your account and uh, not so much uh, uh, like grab your personal data or anything but they can certainly post make posts to your wall uh therefore uh they can inject uh viruses and then of course go on to infect all of your friends on facebook and everything uh so that's the problem but the real problem is the fact that they basically said it's really not that big of a deal and didn't really actually bother to tell anybody about it right right it was it was the news had to be broken really by the uh the the tech community um and uh uh, you know, so it was just handled about as horribly as possible. When I found out about it, uh, which was through Security Now and Steve Gibson, uh, I, I immediately just, at least to my friends on Facebook, made a post and said, Hey, look, uh, one, uh, there's, there's two ways that you can really fix this. One is by individually revoking, uh, rights, access rights to all of the applications that you, um, that you have given permission to on your Facebook account. Uh, but the easier way is to simply just go in and change your password. And then uh, Facebook has instituted a fix, but you have to change your password for this fix to take effect. If you haven't changed your password in the last, uh, well, by the time, well, this is coming out today. So if you haven't changed your password in like the last 10 days, um, you need to because that problem still exists on your account. Yeah, once uh, once you change your password, it automatically invalidates all the existing tokens. The next time an app tries to act as on your behalf, it has to get a new token. So the new token issuing is secure. The um, old existing legacy tokens are insecure. So simply by changing your password, you you invalidate all the insecure tokens and get uh, issued new tokens. And you don't have to do anything other than just change your password. Right. Which you should do periodically anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Just good idea. Yeah. And while we're on the subject, 
uh, I know a lot of teachers listen to this and, and, um, you know, may not be the most tech savvy people in the world. Go to Facebook. It's, it's insanely hard to find. Um, it should be a big button right there in the beginning, but you go to accounts and then settings and then, uh, I don't have it in front of me, but there's another button and then another button yeah. and it'll list all the applications that you have granted, uh, permission to. If you don't remember what they are, if you don't use them every day, get rid of them. Just, just get rid of them. And that's a good idea periodically. Um, you know, I, I have tried things, uh, different Twitter integration clients and things like that. And I've, I've given them access to it. Or like when I had a Blackberry, I had a couple of different clients on the Blackberry that, that I used, but now I don't have a Blackberry. So I don't need those anymore. You know, those things tend to build up over time. Just get rid of them. Just go in there and click the button that says revoke access and it doesn't hurt anything, but it's a good safe thing to do. You know, make a, make a point to do it every time the time changes. That's twice a year. There you go. Every time you have right. to reset your clocks, that's also when I change the batteries in my smoke detectors. That's my signal at my house. Um, so those things just, you know, it's a good reminder to do some general housekeeping. Absolutely. So. So that's enough of our preaching. Yeah, uh, I want to uh, I want to talk to to Jackie. I've been uh, back and forth with her for uh, about a month now, so uh, I'm I'm anxious. And so, without further ado, here is Jackie Botterell of Skype in the classroom. Uh, Jackie, thanks uh, for being with us. Welcome to uh, the Tightwad Tech Show. Um, let's start with just uh, give us a quick introduction of yourself in you know thirty seconds or less. Who you, who are you, and what do you do? Um, my name is Jacqueline Botterell. I work at Skype. I've been here now for over five years and I'm responsible for CSR, Skype in the Classroom, and um, I also look after PR for the EMEA region. Okay, and tell us about Skype in the Classroom. Obviously, that's what uh, has our attention, being that we're tech-focused. Uh, give us a little information about uh, what that is and, and uh, what you do. Yeah, so I'll start with what Skype in the Classroom is. Uh, it's a free online community for teachers globally uh, who really want to use Skype to bring education to life. It's to help teachers and their students connect with one another across the world. Um, teachers can sign up very easily to Skype in the Classroom at education.skype.com. They create a profile that sets out their interests, any specialities, age groups that they teach and their location and then other teachers can browse through the Skype in the Classrooms teachers directory to look for other teachers, connect with, share ideas, to collaborate on projects. There's a project section which is probably I would say the most useful area of Skype in the Classroom so that you can find sister partner classrooms to do exchanges with and collaborate with them. And there's also a resources directory to help teachers share inspiration, any kind of lesson plans or videos, um, and really see Skype in action um, and, you know, a little bit of kind of how-to information. So once teachers find someone that they'd like to connect with, they can add that person as a Skype contact or they can send them a message through uh, Skype in the Classroom system, which is a, a, an e email, essentially, um, and they can take that take it from there. Um, so Skype in the Classroom really is, um, is to help solve the problem of finding other teachers who are using Skype um, and finding those projects um, that, that you'd like to work on. So it sounds like it's essentially uh, a bulletin board just an, an on, online place for people to meet. Yeah, essentially. 
we'd like to think maybe a little bit more sophisticated than a straightforward bulletin board. And, you know, this is the very beginning of this uh, uh, community. So there are lots of different things that we'd like to uh, like to do to improve improve the service and and make sure that you know teachers can find new teachers, new classrooms, new projects to to collaborate and work on as well. You said it was new. How how new? How long has this been around? So we launched the beta December twentieth, two thousand and ten, um, and we worked with the community of teachers so we got to around 4,000 teachers during the, the beta period and that was mostly word of mouth um, throughout that period we developed what is now Skype in the Classroom which we launched officially on the 30th of March this year so since then well, we now have over 12,000 teachers and the beauty of it really is that this is a global community um, there are uh, a, a ton of different networks out there for teachers who were using Skype um, but one of the challenges was how do you how do you um, make that that community truly global and because our user base is global um, it, it was a very easy an easier thing for us to help with um, so we also have you know 108 over 180 different countries um, or, or teachers represented in those countries um, 500 projects have been posted up and then we have um, you know probably over I don't know 20 50 different languages um, you know people people can can talk in whatever language they want to on, on, on the on the platform so uh, Jackie, I, uh, in just doing research for this and, uh, approximately a month ago, April 14th, I took down some numbers, uh, as far as, uh, teachers and resources and projects, which seem to be the three, uh, components of Skype in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And, uh, just to throw out some numbers, uh, teachers registered, uh, in April were 10, just over 10,000. Now we're over 12,000. Uh, resources were 431 and we're, uh, well, 469. That was just a few days ago and projects 367 and up to 515. So it seems like you're experiencing some some great growth and uh, interestingly in the middle of the school year where teachers are kind of busy. So uh, are, are you happy with that? Do you see uh, where do you think you are in that in that growth curve? Yeah, I mean, we do see it as an early success and um, obviously immediately after we launched and we did some external communications around it, we saw a big peak. Um, and that that's obviously slowing down a little bit, um, but o overall we're we're very pleased with the numbers that that we have. And you know, one of our concerns is that we almost we don't want the community to to explode too quickly because then it destroys the integrity and the quality. And one of our tasks is really to try and moderate and ensure that there's really high quality um, of, of teachers and. Um, projects on there and to try and avoid spamming um, so but for the most part the the community we want and we need it to be as self-sustaining as as possible so there's a feedback tab on there if anybody has any ideas or thoughts or you know they need to report someone who they don't think should really be part of that community as well um, but yeah definitely early success um, you know we just want to try and do what we do best and that's connect people um, 
So talk about that uh, that moderation point. You, you said you try to, to, to keep it moderated. What What is your role in that? Uh, is there some sort of vetting process I have to go through if I sign up? Um, all, all you need at the moment to sign up is your, uh, you need to be a, a member of Skype. So you need to have a, a Skype account and you can sign in with your Skype credentials and then you fill out your profile. Now, any anybody can do that. So the moderation process, we have a third party who helps to moderate the content and some of the, the teachers who are on there. And we have the ability and I have the ability to remove people who we feel are not using the site for what it's intended for. Um, and we have T's and C's around that as well. So um, and like I said, we also need um, to, re to rely a little bit on some of the teachers who are using it. If they come across somebody who they feel isn't using the site in the correct way um, and to let us know if they've had a bad experience. Uh, is that uh, been a problem? Are you seeing you're having to bounce people regularly or is it uh, pretty much a non-issue so far? I'm just curious as to what yeah, so sort of people you've got. Sure, yeah. Um, there's been a very small handful um, and, you know, one or two of those I think have been people who try to spam skype in general um so it's not a it's not a problem um at, at the moment but you know and that's something that we need to work on and just make sure that we do retain the integrity of, of the site as, as i alluded to earlier um you know that's that's one of the reasons we specifically just want to target the education community so we don't want any third parties coming in there and using that as a forum to start targeting um teachers with you know, marketing materials and things like that so um all right uh jackie i just uh, i had a question uh in doing my research for the show uh, i signed up and uh really you know got in and checked it out from a user's perspective and it was really cool uh there was one thing that i was missing though i wasn't quite getting uh there's really uh two uh uh two aspects of it that are kind of pointed towards the user and that's projects and resources and the projects really made sense to me you go in and there's other teachers that have proposed some sort of uh collaborative project that uh, they're reaching out and to find another teacher um or maybe giving another teacher idea but the resources I, it didn't seem to return anything and i thought well i i'm just i'm missing it i'm not doing something right uh, can you explain uh what what the resources are yeah so the the resources you can upload uh images video content can be embedded files such as pdf and office files um can be linked to anywhere on the internet so if you're a teacher um and you want to share some kind of teaching resource maybe it's a, a lesson plan or um like i said a video about skype being used or any other technology or, or or any other type of information that you think might be useful to share with other teachers and you can post that as a resource so you can find those or you should be able to find those resources in two different ways one is either via the teacher who's posted them or via the resources section um, where you can search for different resources um i through the beta process um, initially we only had teachers and resources and we found actually that it was uh, the project section that teachers most needed so if the resources aren't that helpful it may be and I suspect it will be that we'll concentrate more on the the, re the excuse me the project section rather than the resources if if they're not 
being found to be that helpful. I'm curious, what was the, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Uh, what was the impetus for starting this? Uh, what made some suit at Skype decide they needed a place for teachers to get together? Well, it was becoming really clear to us that there were a number of teachers who were already embracing technology in Skype to make learning more exciting um, and interactive. Um, so organically, we were seeing stories about teachers, um, a lot of which were from, from the US um, who were using Skype in their classrooms. So, you know, developing different projects from cultural exchanges, language uh, studies and geography lessons. Um, so really Skype in the classroom was created in response to that um, and in consultation with that that growing number of teachers who were using Skype to help their students learn. Um, like I said before, one of the challenges for, for teachers to use Skype effectively within the classroom was really finding those partner class classes or speakers who already have Skype installed so that they can enable an easy exchange. So Skype in the classroom was a response to that that challenge. Um, so, you know, we saw a trend and, and we wanted to help that community um, use Skype more effectively. About a year ago uh, at the school where we work, uh, we oh. invested in uh, uh, some really nice Logitech cameras and, and gave them all to all of our teachers. And that was one of the first questions that we were asked. Oh, great. Now what? Uh, and so well, we, and we, and we installed Skype on right, all we, of their computers. Right, we gave them Skype. And, and so we have uh, teachers Skyping within the district, you know, a, an elementary science teacher talking to a high school science teacher. But the question was asked, you know, how do I find somebody else to talk to? And so uh, we started a spreadsheet. I've got a, just a, a Google doc spreadsheet of, of names of people I'd come across and uh, uh, put the word out on Twitter, you know, that uh, the, for my personal learning network, uh, who, who does Twitter or Skype, who knows somebody who does Skype. Um, and then, you know, I had quite a list going and then you come along and blow me out of the water with your community. So I, I just got, want you to know I'm a little bitter about that uh, because I did all that work and you made it pointless. <laughs> Um, well, first of all, huge, huge apologies. Um, that was not <laughs> our intention at all. And, and in fact, we, we tried to work with a number of uh, different people like yourselves who are already trying to do those things to help us develop Skype in the classroom and, and what it should be and, and, and what the need was. So, um, you know, and, and also, you know, we're looking to work with people like yourselves. So if you already have a community and you can plug them into our community and we can plug our community in your community, then we're looking for opportunities to be able to do that too. Um, Jackie, I'm, uh, I'm kind of curious. Uh, we've had a few interesting use cases here at our district. Uh, one where a, a teacher and they were, I think, studying a book or something and were actually able to contact the author and bring that author into the classroom via Skype. Uh, I myself, uh, had a couple of students that, uh, had a podcasting show and that was part of what we were, uh, we were covering and, uh, they were able to, uh, make contact with a famous voice actor, at least famous in their world and, mm -hmm. uh, bring him onto their show via Skype. So we've had some really interesting use cases here. I'm kind of curious, uh, wh what have you seen out there? Obviously you, you get a, a, a look at the overall community. What are some of the things that have really stood out that you've seen? Uh, I think my favorite. My favorite one has to be um, Plastiki. I don't know if you've heard of them, but um, um, 
in June of last year, we had a, a school, uh, the Fort Worth Museum of Science and History, um, and they brought in the crew from uh, a 60-foot catamaran, um, which was um, sailing the Pacific Ocean from San Francisco to Sydney. Um, and the crew on that boat um, joined classrooms um, around the world, um, a, a number of different classrooms throughout their journey to educate those children about pollution in the ocean and how to eliminate it. Um, so the fact that you could have a Skype video call from the middle of the Pacific Ocean educating young children about real life and, and real issues, um, I think was, uh, you know, an amazing story for us to be able to tell. Um, and, you know, there have been many, many other examples um, of different experts in the field coming into classrooms. Um, we have a piece one day, Jeremy Gilley, He's about to embark on a speakers program where he'll reach out to at least one school a week um, to talk about peace day, um, citizenship, bully, bullying issues, um, and educating uh, hopefully over uh, all of the 192 states within the UN. He wants to be able to reach at least one classroom within each uh, UN state and educate them about his, his cause and his mission. Um, and then a really nice story actually about Skype in the classroom when it was still in beta it was one of the teachers uh, who was using Skype in the classroom called Cara Conejo and she teaches a fifth grade class in Missouri. Um, she's an avid Skype user and within one day she found five different schools around the world to collaborate with on an international weather project. So, you know, within one just one day of joining um Skype in the classroom for her was a really useful resource to, to find those teachers to collaborate with um which she wouldn't she said to us she wouldn't have been able to do that and particularly not within within one day um so there's some really nice uh, nice use cases out there now if we could just get everybody in the world on the same time zone that would make right. yeah. so much easier <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, that darn know, spinning earth thing you know <laughs> yeah and that's definitely one of the things that the community that we have at the moment are asking for is how can we help with that scheduling and trying to figure out who's on what time zone and and what times are, are really you know great great for them to collaborate um and then you know equally there's um can can we record can we record the call so that um you know if a useful lesson takes place how do you capture that and share that with more people so there are a number there are definitely a lot of different opportunities that we have to develop skype in the classroom yeah a built-in record feature in skype would be an awesome feature so oh uh, it would <laughs> yes i'm sure you're one of the coders could you get to work on that um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, just a, a story that that came to mind uh when you were talking about uh, uh reaching out to to classrooms uh, i'm i'm an old guy and uh uh back in the 80s when i was in school there was this new thing called the jason project uh, oh, i don't yeah. know if you're familiar yeah. with that uh, in uh, the uk but uh, in the us it, it's a big thing where um, when I was a uh, junior high, I think, uh, it'd be eighth or ninth grade. Uh, we all went to a movie theater, uh, in, in Fort Worth, uh, which what you mentioned there. Uh, um, and 
we all gathered around and had this big screen and this satellite feed brought the Jason project, the, the undersea, uh, submarines and that sort of thing. And we had this essentially Skype call, uh, you know, 1980s style, uh, where there were about, uh, 50 or so different schools that all gathered in giant auditoriums or movie theaters or whatever. And you've brought that power via Skype, um, to every desktop and every cell phone. Uh, in fact, when, uh, Sean was talking about the, uh, interview that his students did with the voice actor, he was driving down i5 in california on his iphone right uh, while he was on skype and it's a uh, uh, it's you really have made the world a smaller place with this um that's just my story i thought i'd throw out there <laughs> <laughs> yeah also um you know skype's skype's becoming more multi-platform as well I mean, skype's now on televisions and so you know not only have you got that kind of global global community um but across different platforms it just makes it a lot easier to use um you know many people don't don't want to be stuck at their pc they they want to have that flexibility to take skype wherever wherever they are um so yes yeah, a great thing <laughs> okay yeah um i guess along that same vein i'm i'm yeah looking at my show notes trying to figure out what i'm i'm going to say next <laughs> I just gave uh, him the digital elbow in the side. Right, exactly, exactly. Oh, it's my turn to speak. <laughs> uh, along that same vein, uh, and we we had a teacher on, oh, I think it was a few months ago, uh, Brian Crosby. I believe he's out of uh, Utah. And uh, he had a very, uh, well, a really kind of gut-wrenching uh, example of using Skype in the classroom where he had a student, I believe she had leukemia. And, uh, so for that reason is she's going through chemotherapy and everything. And, uh, I imagine bone marrow transplants and all of that sort, uh, they were able to bring her into the classroom daily, uh, via Skype. And, uh, there's, there's some video of it. And, uh, I, I put the, the, uh, link in the show notes and, uh, Mark, hopefully we can get that posted, but, uh, watching that video, I mean, it almost brings tears to your eyes and it's, it's just amazing to see that. I know I saw Brian Crosby, uh, listed in the, uh, as a beta tester, uh, as well. So, uh, just really neat things that you see there. Yeah. Now, like I said earlier, uh, our agency who we've been working with, um, made, made by many, um, they initially were, were working and worked with um, Brian. So I think he really helped to shape Skype in the classroom um, during that beta, well, even before beta, in fact. So, um, you know, and talking about um, bringing, bringing sick children into the classroom, um, I've worked with the hospital schools in London, in Chelsea area. Um, I think there are around about 12 hospital schools in the UK, four of which um, are in are in the Chelsea area of London. And I managed to speak to some of the young children who are quite often isolated in, in the hospital. So they're confined to a single room. And uh, one of the boys said to me that, um, you know, he's been there in a hospital for probably about 16 years in and out. And he said he remembers the days, which made me feel very old. He remembers <laughs> the days when he was in hospital and all they could do was wave through the window when they were in isolation and they could be in isolation for up to six months. And he said, now it's amazing because, you know, they have Skype inside the isolation room and they can then talk to their friends, other friends in the hospital, but then also be able to speak to their family and friends back at home, which, you know, is in, 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 incredibly, um, 
powerful for those young children who are otherwise in a really awful uh, situation when they're so young. So, um, yeah, it's a... yeah, it's heart wrenching. <laughs> we we had a student here um, uh, transfer to our school district who had had uh, three years of Latin at his previous school. We don't offer Latin. We don't know anybody who does offer Latin. Uh, but his previous teacher was willing to uh, do whatever it took to continue to teach him uh, uh, where he is now, and. Mm-hmm. Um, the high school counselor came to me and we have a, a rather expensive uh, video conferencing set up uh, in one of our rooms. And, and she was asking about uh, how we would go about scheduling time to share that uh, uh, feed and, and make sure that this kid can do this. And I thought, well, uh, and I asked her, I said, does the instructor have a desktop computer in his classroom? Uh, does he have a webcam? Does he know what Skype is? And so rather than uh, doing the expensive video conferencing, we brought uh, the, the video conferencing to the desktop for him. And he's now taking Latin uh, in our school on one of our computers just using a webcam and Skype. <laughs> um, yeah, this reminds me of a, a story I saw not too long ago with a uh, a, this isn't education related, but related to this, a soldier who was in Afghanistan and his wife was in the in the States, I forget where in the States, um, and the hospital, private hospital that she was giving birth in, again, they had some very expensive um, video conferencing set up and software on, on this posh television. Um, but of course, um, the soldier in Afghanistan, her husband, didn't have the same technology. Um, so they ended up just setting up quickly, setting up a laptop with a webcam next to her and they used that instead. So, um, you know, it's kind of a, 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 a funny and sad thing to see, um, that, you know, so much money can go to waste on expensive video conferencing systems when, you know, it's so easy and, uh, and low cost nowadays to, to do it. Um, yeah, I, we've been fortunate here where I work that we've always been sort of been on the vanguard of things. And yeah. uh, about 14 years ago, we set up one of the very first classroom video conference systems, and it cost us uh, over $95,000 to wow. do that. Um, and it was uh, a shared ISDN line. I think the bandwidth was 384K at the time. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we were all excited about that. Uh, and, you know, a $100 Logitech webcam and Skype blows the quality of that out of the water. And we just had to wait a couple of decades (laughs) right yeah and you're right you know if you have a an ideal scenario you have a really good broadband connection um you'll have a fairly decent um pc uh and then a you know good quality webcam and if it's an hd quality webcam like you say around a hundred dollars you can get near enough broad uh broadcast quality video um, you know, we have CNN, Sky, a ton of different uh, broadcast stations that use Skype for, for live reporting. So, you know, bring that to your classroom and uh, you, you have a pretty immersive experience for your, your students. Right. Uh, so one more question I had. You were, uh, were talking about the growth and development and, and how uh, your uh, Skype in the classroom is still new. Are there any yeah. specific plans on the, the horizon that you can, can give us a sneak peek at? Well... Um, clearly we're looking to optimize the service and engage with the community to understand how they're using the service and what they want to come next. So, um, we're also looking to clearly grow the network and support the community as much as we can. Um, the thing that 
is very dear to, to my heart um, and, and I think there's a really big opportunity is bringing in the experts into the classroom. So do we have an, an opportunity to include other types of participants into that community? Um, and for me, and I, I think also for um, from what I've seen from the education com community and the teachers is that, you know, experts that can be brought into the classroom from you know other parts of the world is one of the things that um, would be really valuable um, so that's you know on, on the top of my agenda um, but like I said our, our main priority is to get feedback from the community and understand from them what they need so I would say most of the a portion of the development will come from insights from uh, from the community so if that's something they want then um, I, I I'd like to say that we're gonna we're gonna do that. So, well, just uh, a little feedback right now from from mm -hmm. uh, from me on your homepage there, education.skype.com. We've got that map. Um, if you could make it so that you have the what time it is in each of those places on that map. Ah, yes, that time zones awesome. uh, superimposed. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm sure somebody can do that. I, I can't, <laughs> but I'm sure somebody can. So that just jot that down in your little notebook. There. <laughs> I've got that one. Yeah, yeah Mark, Mark said. That. That's right. <laughs> um, that's I'm awesome that you've got 12,000 <laughs> teachers so far. Um, I, uh, I've got to think, I mean, uh, coming out mid-year, that they're going to see another spike uh, just at, at the beginning of the, the next school year. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And we'd, we hope to have some kind of um, or a bigger update around that period as well. So um, fingers crossed um, that that will happen so yeah and if uh, you have like you said you already have a, a long list of teachers that you know are, are using it and you know if you can introduce them to Skype in the classroom or if there's anything we can do for those teachers or for you guys then you know let me know yeah that'd be great yeah we yeah we'll definitely do our best to uh, spread that word and uh throughout this even this past year and we're members of several listserv uh email listservs and things like that and that question frequently comes up and uh, uh we can always chime in with uh, skype in the classroom because there's always teachers reaching out and trying to figure out you know how can i use this and how do i find teachers to connect with so and plus the hundreds of millions of tightwad tech listeners that will hear this app uh this show. that's right anyway. only 100 million Hundreds of millions. Okay, okay. Yeah. We, we, we may be up to a billion, but I don't think so. I, the royal wedding was slightly more well attended. Than uh, right. our, watch our out, show. watch out, Mark Zuckerberg. We're we're on your coattails there. And so uh, now we get to the looming question that you didn't want me to ask, but I have to ask anyway. And I understand that you may not have the answer, but I have to ask it. Uh, just this week, uh, Microsoft bought Skype for an insane amount of money, 8.5 billion, or as I heard one analyst put it, uh, Microsoft's, uh, income for a day. <laughs> that okay. is, that yeah. is one day of Microsoft's income. Just amazing. Um, so, uh, do you, uh, have you heard, I, I'm assuming that's a, a bit of buzz around your office. Uh, is there any idea wh what that holds for the future? What Microsoft plans to do with Skype or, uh, are you just as in the dark as the rest of us? Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the the looming question. So for us, it's business as, as usual until the acquisition takes place. So we'll continue to uh, move on with Skype in the classroom. Um, you know, we're all incredibly excited about uh, about the acquisition. Um, we managed to, in the London office anyway, um, last 
Sunday, we managed to meet Steve Fulmer. He's incredibly inspirational. Um, and, you know, I think the, the Microsoft acquisition can only bring good things for Skype. So um, I can't I can't say much more than that. And, uh, you know, the, the truth is that um, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but we will um, we will continue as is until the acquisition. Um, and we will operate as a separate business division within Microsoft. Um, so I think that can instill a certain amount of um, uh, confidence that, you know, Skype will um, remain kind of as is, if not better than it already is. So I think your superior superiors will be happy with that appropriately vague yet upbeat <laughs> answer to the question. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, we'll be keeping, uh, definitely keeping an eye on that one because uh, there's a, a lot of people, and especially in the education world, yeah. that are going to be interested to see just what the future holds there. So, yeah, it's a, it's, it's definitely an exciting time for us. Um, so we're all very excited. About and Microsoft, it. if you want to buy a podcast, just let us know. If Steve <laughs> Ballmer, if you're listening, just hey, let us know. Bargain price six billion. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's less than you paid for Skype. All right, Jackie, I won't uh, keep you around any longer uh, listening to us ramble. Uh, but as I often uh, say to my guests, is there any one thing that you want to leave us with? One one parting thought uh, that you want to make sure that uh, every one of our listeners uh, walks away with regarding Skype in the classroom? Um, really, if you're using Skype in the classroom, we would love your feedback. Um, that's That's it, really. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's very valuable. I mean, how often are companies saying, you know, uh, give us some feedback, give us some feedback, and uh, this is a community-driven site, so uh, certainly that's what you need. So if you're yeah. using it, teachers, users, jump in there, give them your give them your thoughts. Well, I'm curious. Um, what about people like me? I'm not in the classroom, but I do work for a school. Um, mm. Do is there any place for me? Uh, in your Skype in the classroom uh, project? So uh, my question to you would be, what value would you bring to being part of that community? Good question. Wow. <laughs> she turned the tables on turned you there. It back on me. <laughs> now I have to define my existence. <laughs> well, I think uh, people, uh, again, the the administrative side, we see the problems more than the uh, the solutions. Uh, the mm -hmm. teachers know what they're doing, they, they, like the whole project thing. Uh, but people like me, we're the ones who have to solve the problem. Um, yep. So um, we might be more valuable uh, in letting you know how uh, – to make Skype better work in a school network, for example, how to work, uh, you know, it does a great job with firewalls, but it's not perfect. Uh, and so you, you might have a, a section there for administrators to, to sound off about that sort of thing. I just made that up off the top of my head, but, uh, <laughs> I, I think that, uh, that's fairly accurate. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and uh, as I think about it, Mark, I can just think that uh, people in your position, uh, and if there could be a network of such people, uh, like you said, maybe a channel for those people, uh, they can be the catalysts in a in a district to really help spread the word and uh, get it out there and make sure that the teachers are getting the resources that they need to uh, make it happen. 
Of course, you're also likely to have a bunch of guys like me complaining that Skype doesn't work very well on Linux. So just, you know, be prepared for that. If, <laughs> if you open those doors, those are the kind of things you're going to get. I was having a call with uh, a fellow geek uh, buddy of mine the other day, and he was upside down the whole time because he was on Linux, and for some reason Skype renders things upside down on his particular version of Linux. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. We released a new version um, just in April. 2.2. 2. Um, so maybe ask him to update. I don't know if uh, yeah. if he's still being rendered upside down. Then we need to know about that. <laughs> uh, it's actually a very common problem. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know the details. It has something to do with a G stream or Kodak or something. But anyway, um, G string. <laughs> <laughs> kind of did sound like. Well, this. she went there, didn't she? <laughs> wow, this show just went to a different place. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know too much about Linux, but, um, yeah, I mean, let, let, let me know if that's, that's still an issue and that I can, but like you say, it's a common issue, but, um, I'm a Mac and Windows girl, so right. um, I don't use Linux, but anyway, right. but thank you for your, uh, piece of feedback on the network for kind of administrators. I think that's really useful. So, right. So uh, Sean can't talk to you anymore because you just mentioned Mac. So uh, right, um, oh. no, no longer buddies. I'm no, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'll it'll fall to me to say goodbye. Thanks for being with us, Jackie. You've been uh, you. uh, fun and entertaining and uh, informational, and that's all we could ask for. So uh, uh, thanks for being with us, and uh, we'll talk to you again later. That was Jackie Botterill. Very good. You I don't think it. I said it as well as she did. Right. I said it. Um, and uh, she is, what is her official title? I didn't even ask, did I? CSR, Customer Service Representative? I don't know what that means. CSR and Skype in the Classroom Manager. Right. I should have asked her what CSR meant. Yeah, usually it, that's what it means. Right. So. Could have been check some service renderer. I, I didn't know. <laughs> Anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Skype in the classroom is, uh, like I said, it's it's something that other people have been trying to do, right? There's been this whole network of, of people trying to find out who else is using Skype. And I think at this point, it's safe to, safe to say everybody. Yeah, really? <laughs> Just everybody's using Skype. And if you're not, you should, because it's cheap and webcams. If it didn't come built into your computer, you can get one. I mean, I, I said a hundred dollar Logitech. That's for like she said, the, the super high def model. You can get a, a webcam that is good enough for 20 bucks or less. Oh, sure. Sure. And even, uh, you know, we've got some very nice ones, but those have, you know, drop down almost uh, half of what right. they were just a year ago. So, uh, just like any other technology, uh, the high end webcam of yesterday was is pretty much the everyman webcam today. Right. So, yeah. So that's uh, that's interesting. I, I was glad uh, you got her on. Uh, so we'll move on to the uh, tips of the week section and. I had to stall there because I was copying my tip of the week into the notes. <laughs> I was wondering uh, if I was going to have to go first this week. No. <laughs> uh, and this one is, uh, apparently this is the show for hard to say names. Uh, <laughs> but then again, in technology, every name seems to be hard to say. It's like, sure. let's, let's cram, cram three consonants and a vowel together, <laughs> and that's the name of my product. Right. Uh, but this one is called Giotto, I think. G-I-O-T-T-O, Giotto. Um and it is a flash designer. So if you want to design, uh, flash videos, uh, and you don't want to use, uh, something like, um, Adobe, uh, 
what do they call it? Something fire, fireworks. Yeah, fireworks. Um, or uh, I've used one called Swish uh, uh, in the past. Both of those cost money. Yeah, um, I've uh, I've used two other ones, Motion Artist and then uh, Cool Moves, and same thing. Right. Uh, paid money for both of those. Not a lot, but uh, yeah, you're kind of waiting for the free, right. something decent and free to come along. And so you hear, uh, here it is, Giotto from uh, Victorian Software. Um, and it is, the way they call it uh, is a flash animation package made for you to, to design, not code. So it's it's more designed for uh, making cartoons and, and videos and, and artists things. It doesn't give you um, the real power of Flash as a programming application interface. Right. Uh, so you're not going to write a webcam driver in it, but you are going to make, uh, be able to make a, a cartoon or a video or uh, a presentation of some sort in it. Um, they say with Giotto, you can relax and focus your imagination on creative concepts. Uh, and, uh, I haven't really played with it a lot. I'm not an artist. Uh, but, uh, it, it really is sort of a drag and drop simple sort of interface with, uh, you know, get you, uh, have your artwork or use some of their, um, integrated library of artwork and, uh, you drop something in and, and then you make your animation. It's very, um, uh, Adobe Premiere like in its look and feel. You've got a timeline there and, and you've got toolbars on the left and right and you drop things in and you move them around. You add transitions. Uh, but it's a great little tool for free. Awesome. I'm so going to have to, I'm going to have to check that one out. I hadn't seen a decent free one yet. So, uh, yeah, looks interesting. All right, I'll uh, jump in with my teacher tip of the week. And uh, this is one that I just kind of uh, stumbled upon. Um, I was actually looking into something that I heard in another podcast, and it was about uh, this new free uh, inf- infographic uh, Web 2.0 thing that's going to be coming along, and it's uh, accepting invitations for uh, beta testers. And, uh, so I was kind of looking for it cause I remember they'd mentioned it in the podcast and I was just kind of looking for it and did a Google search. And what I actually ended up running across was this website called information is beautiful. Uh, it's information is beautiful.net. And this site uh, just has a lot of really neat infographics uh, that you can access. Uh, I believe it appears to be a blog of just a single, a single guy that's kind of uh, trying to create his own little community and, uh, uh, sort of a central resource of infographics that he's found across the web and stuff. And uh, just some interesting ones as I was just popping around there. Uh, Mark, you're looking at the snake oil one right now, and it, uh, it it gives a nice graphic. It's kind of a bubble graph, and the, the bigger bubbles are rising up towards the top of uh, different supplements that we take and how... Uh, truly effective they are so some things are really uh there's some scientific proof that they uh, they do something for you and then there's a lot of ones that we take that uh maybe there's not so much proof you know that's the snake oil uh so really neat graphic there another one that i found really interesting was the u.s uh the u.s war machine and it uh it details uh how uh, the united states has the largest uh military budget by far and uh, I think the next eight nations, you could combine them and they still wouldn't be as much as uh, the United States. But then it takes that and breaks it down in other ways and uh, percentage of uh, GDP. And then I think we drop to like eighth and uh, 
so it breaks all of that information down into several different graphics. Uh, as far as uh, using it in the classroom, you're going to see a lot of stuff in there. And that one in particular, uh, the U.S. War Machine one was very interesting. Uh, but there's also uh, a great one that uh, describes kind of our form of government you know you've got the left and the right and uh, really points out the differences in in uh, just those fundamental mindsets so uh, very neat site uh, check it out uh, really click through there and look at all uh, all that they have to offer I think you'll find some really interesting infographics and really introduce you to that world because there's a lot out there now this is not a place for you to create your own uh, graphs and charts and stuff, right? No, and I'm really hoping, and my understanding, uh, that site, it just came to me, uh, that is, uh, accepting beta users right now is, uh, or beta testers is visual.ly. So, uh, just, just like it sounds, the word visual and .ly, and, uh, you can put your email address in there and, uh, they're gonna be opening that up to users real soon. And there you're supposed to be able to, my understanding, create your own infographics. And really, it sounds like it's going to be somewhat of a community where you can create your own and you can uh, uh, collaborate with other people and, of course, uh, share infographics back and forth. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that coming out and seeing, uh, you know, what's going to come of that. All right. So there we go. Yeah. This is the part of the show where I tell you where you can find us. If you're listening to the show and don't know how you got it, uh, you probably got it from the website, thetightwadtech.com, uh, which is where you uh, can find our uh, forums and uh, community information there where we uh, have all sorts of conversations where ordinarily when, it, when we're not here at the crack of dawn, we would be broadcasting live and you'd be able to watch it uh, there on our live stream. Uh, we didn't do that today. Uh, or, uh, of course, maybe we should have because we do have a lot of people in Europe and London and it's oh, sure. lunchtime for them. Right, right. So I'm going to stop blaming it on the time of day and blame it on the fact that I was too lazy at 530 in the morning <laughs> to set it up. There's the truth. Yeah, All yeah. right, finally, it's out. <laughs> um, but anyway, thetaiwadtech.com is our website. Uh, you can contact us on Twitter uh, at twitter.com slash thetaiwadtech or facebook.com slash the Taiwan tech uh, we uh, we solicit your feedback uh, emails uh, there's a contact form there on our website that'll send us an email or uh, voicemails there's a, a phone widget that will ca uh, call you and you can leave us a voicemail or you can call us yourself at 530 frugal 2 that's f-r-u-g-a-l and the number two so if you are frugal 2 uh, give us a call yeah. uh, and then we'll put those uh, on the air just like we did today absolutely yeah, and give us a shout. I suppose this yeah. is the part where Sean says, Great show. Great show. Great show today. <laughs> and uh, for now, this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off. <laughs>